During the holidays, I make a point to tell people to be safe when saying goodbye. I really mean it. New Year's Eve especially is a time where an above average number of people are out in social settings, an above average number of people are overindulging, and an above average number of people who don't indulge very often at all are choosing to indulge on this night. That's not to say you shouldn't go out and have a great time to celebrate the end of the year. Just try to look out for yourself while doing it. I've had multiple runs of bad Christmases and New Year's in my life. During my freshman year of college, I came back home for Christmas and New Year's. When I'd gone away to college, I'd realized how much I really liked this girl that was still back at my high school. She was a little younger than me. And we had talked throughout that semester about maybe seeing what it was like to date, or as we called it back then, to talk. She was going to be out of town for a bit of the Christmas week itself, but she was going to come back for New Year's. And so we made plans to hang out together, my friends and her friends, that New Year's Eve. When the night I'd been waiting for finally came, I had a friend drop me off over at a house party where she and her friends were, so that I could ride with them over to where our actual New Year's Eve party was going to be and show them how to get to the house. When my friend dropped me off at the house where, when my friend dropped me off at the house where my potential girlfriend was with her friends, it looked like a scene from American Pie. It was a big house like the ones in Stifler's neighborhood. And you could see kids hanging out the window and people were doing crazy things on the yard and it was loud as hell. You could hear music just blaring out of the house in an otherwise quiet neighborhood. I saw some familiar plate. I saw some familiar faces and a bunch of people I didn't know. As I walked up to the front door, a guy I had gone with school with passed me and I asked if he'd seen my future girlfriend and he told me he thought he'd seen her in the back of the house. When I got in, it, it really was a big house and different corridors and rooms, and I saw somebody else I knew. I said, yeah, I think I saw her back near the kitchen. When I got near the kitchen, I saw a different girl I knew, and I asked her if she'd seen my future girlfriend. I heard she was over here. She responded, my boyfriend hates you, which was a really random thing to say to somebody that I hadn't seen for six months. I didn't know who her boyfriend was, and... My question was if she had seen my future girlfriend, not anything about her boyfriend. I asked her what she was talking about, and she said something else I didn't understand. And then the next thing I knew, I was being sucker punched on the left side of my face from somebody coming from behind me. He didn't knock me out, but I fell into the wall that I was standing up against, and I caught myself and looked over and saw that it was a guy I knew who was a couple years younger than me named Matt. He was coming at me and he tackled me and I was, I was standing in a, a doorway to the kitchen and we ended up falling into an island table and I, was able to get to the, and I was able to get the better of him for a few moments before I ended up getting jumped by three or four other guys. I knew a couple of those guys, but not all of them. And I quickly found myself in a brawl that I was losing that had me ducking for a lot of cover at one point under a dining room table. And we eventually ended up out in the front yard where I had nowhere to hide. 
I got some good shots in. I put one of them in the hospital, but I ended up down on the ground on the street in front of their house, just getting fucked up. My future girlfriend and her friends had heard all of the commotion. I think most people in the house did and had come out and seen a bit of this melee. She'd yelled at people to try to get it to stop. The party had ignored her. Then she ended up doing something that turns out was really smart. She and her friends jumped in the SUV that we had been going to go to the New Year's Eve party, the one with my friends, in and drove into the kids who were beating me up in the middle of the street. They jumped out of the way. They had to or they would have been hit by a Tahoe. They pulled me into the car and drove me straight over to my buddy's house where I had been coming from. They'd been over to his house a bunch before and knew how to get there, and they had no idea where the party we were supposed to go was. I was supposed to tell them, but I wasn't really conscious. My buddies had already left to go to the party. No one was at his house when we arrived. They took off, having no idea what to do, and I eventually woke up in my buddy's garage and walked a couple miles back to the party where I'd gotten my ass kicked. Instead of coming outside to finish the job or to let me get back at them, I have a feeling that they would have probably beat me had they come back outside to continue the fight. They ended up calling the cops. While dozens of kids ran for their cars and drunkenly drove off into the night, I hid in the garage and then in the woods as soon as I'd heard the cars park. As soon as I'd heard the police cars park, and just waited for them to leave. It was in the low 40s outside and I was really wet from laying in the, the debris and the little, the little plants that were in the woods. And I had jeans and a torn up wife beater left on. I'd lost the rest of my clothes and my scraps. I walked home to my parents from there, got my dad to answer the door in the early hours of the morning. And I had to go to the emergency room later that day. I had broken hands, ribs, concussion, and I don't think I recovered mentally. I'm not talking about trauma like, oh, I'm scared, but I don't think I actually recovered mentally from the concussion syndromes for minimum six months. I can't even remember. Eventually, I learned to live with a lot of it. I had no choice but to learn to live with a lot of it. Um, I went back to school like a week or two later. I was supposed to go to classes, and I did. It was, it, was, it was a nightmare. Later that year, I was also able to figure out why I had been jumped. And that's what had happened. I, I had been jumped. Some people knew that I was going to be coming through a roundabout way from my, own, my hometown. And for reasons that don't really matter for this story, they decided that would be a good time to get me. That was a reminder for me in my late teens that it was important to move safely. It was something that I knew actually from, from my early teens from growing up, but going to college with a bunch of kids who had come from privilege and, and I understood that kids who come from privilege often have different cons concerns than kids who come from a, a more working class lifestyle. I'd seen both growing up, but at college I was around a lot of kids from privilege and, and they acted in really reckless ways. And I'd gotten caught up in that. 
and I'd gotten lazy and watching how I moved. The year after that, I tried to be really careful with my New Year's celebration. I again went back to my hometown, but went straight to a party of a guy who was back, who had been in my class in high school. I knew him well, and I knew most of the other partygoers well. And the only other invitees were his friends that he had, he had met in college. So there were no ties to any problems that I might have had back home. My best friend in the world had been really upset with me the year before when I had gotten jumped, that I had gone out on New Year's at all without him. He had stayed in the area. He was a, a smart guy, an important guy in certain circles, and he knew how to keep people safe. He was pissed at me that I hadn't called him afterwards because he would have helped me go reconfront those people. And he had been upset about how little retaliation had actually happened, even though I had asked for there to not be a whole lot of retaliation at a certain point for reasons that aren't important to this story. But he basically made me promise that I wouldn't be coming back to town anymore and putting myself in unsafe situations without him. So this year, he was with me when we went to this New Year's Eve party. The night was going great until a little after midnight, his, the guy having the party's best buddy from college got really drunk, and from a distance, we were all standing out in a backyard. From a distance, someone pointed and said something bad about a guy a couple of bodies next to me. Our backs were turned. We were all in a group. I was talking to a girl. And drunken Henry, it was his name, walked up to me and sucker punched me, same shot, left side of the face, again, thinking I was a guy about two bodies down from me. This time there was no wall for me to fall into, and I, I stumbled forward a foot or two and then tripped on the step up of the deck that was right in front of me, fell onto my hands and knees. A friend of mine who had just seen what happened and decided to act and act first and ask questions later, as I looked up from my hands and knees to see who had just done that to me, tackled Henry from his right side. They fell to the ground into, into a plant bed. And I got up and I punched Henry, who was down on his hands and knees right there. Then his friends, from college, a college I didn't go to, saw this, and a melee breaks out between the people that knew me and the people that just knew Henry. So basically, my friend's college kids and his hometown kids. We won, my group, and we, we beat up these dudes. And this was not like some real fight. Like These guys were like prim and proper kids. They didn't really fight. Like Nobody was getting stabbed. They just got socked a few times and, and quit. And as we were wrapping up socking him, my buddy's parents came home and saw us beating up his, his cute little innocent college friends. My buddy Mike's mom said, Patrick, I'm so disappointed in you. As she kicked me out after that New Year's Eve, I kind of said, I'm, I'm done with Virginia Beach hometown New Year's. It's bad luck for me. The next year, I go to a party with a buddy in Florida. He ends up in a fight. I end up in it. The night sucked. I decided to take a break 
for several years from going to parties at all on New Year's. I would do my partying on non-holidays. I didn't want the trouble. I didn't want the anxiety. Knowing that I wasn't cold laying on the ground with half of my face throbbing, and that I was just inside watching a holiday movie with a pretty girl or an ugly friend felt invaluable for a few years. A few years later, my best friend finally talks me in to going out to Southern California where he is for a few days around New Year's. And I go and I have a great time in Hermosa Beach on the pier for New Year's. And I tell myself, maybe the universe has changed. Maybe the East Coast is bad luck. Maybe I can go out again and accept invitations on New Year's. The next year, I let myself get talked into going to see Widespread Panic on New Year's Eve. Widespread Panic had the same sort of crowd that the Grateful Dead had, and they were the Southern Rock counterpart to Fish at that time. Their New Year's shows were legendary. Within the, that scene, they would play four hours that night in two separate sets. They would usually do it at a, a special venue. And quite often the show would start late. They would play one set that ended right around New Year's Eve, and then they would take a short break and come back as the ball dropped and then launch in to another two hours of playing. They were going to play back in their home state in Atlanta's arena, and it was a, a big deal for the band, and a few of my friends were really into them. They wanted to be there for such a commemorative event. They had a feeling that they'd play special songs, and it would just be an epic night. So a group of us, guys and girls, came from as, as far north as New York City and as far west as Arkansas and met in Atlanta, Georgia, and I had a terrible feeling about it. But I thought that a big part of that was just my general anxiety from, amongst many other things, having really bad, bad luck on New Year's Eve. This definitely seemed risky. As far as being in a uh, public place where I didn't know people and knowing people were going to be really fucked up, which meant there was a good chance of something going wrong for somebody and me being collateral damage. I went stone cold sober to this concert, refused beers, everything. I wanted to stay on my tiptoes. When we got there, I went with my friend from New York to walk around the lot. They had a lot just like deadheads would have. It's basically tailgating if you've never been to these jam band concerts. It's tailgating like you'd see at a college football game. And they sell everything from grilled cheeses to t-shirts to balloons full of nitrous and you can get any drug you want. He went looking for mushroom chocolates. And it took us a little while to find them. Eventually he found them. By the time we got back, my girlfriend, who weighed about 90 pounds and had a, a habit of getting wasted in public and causing problems, had already started drinking beers. She promised me this was not going to be an issue. But when I showed up, she was already talking with a little bit of a slur. She was already drunk. It had only been probably 40 minutes. Before the band had finished their first set, she was passed out in the stadium seating that we were in, in the upper deck. She actually fell out of her chair once onto the beer-soaked ground, and we didn't notice until she'd been there for a couple of moments because everybody was watching the concert. We had to pick her up and prop her back up. She was passed out for most of the concert, and then 
woke up in the middle of the second set. And she must have been just drinking up until the moment she passed out because when she woke up, she was just as drunk as she had been the whole night and went to say that she was going to the bathroom and ended up getting more alcohol, even though the alcohol was actually closed for the night. They weren't serving it anymore. I don't know how she did it. but She just got completely fucked up. And in many ways, it had ruined the night for me. But I was glad to be with my friends. And I was glad to know I was going to have a little bit of help getting her home. In fact, a couple of her best friends were with us as well. One of her lady friends was carrying her out when we hit the stairs to walk down the stadium and lost a hold of her. I think she might have slipped a little herself. Everything was just covered with booze, the ground. And my barely awake, completely wasted girlfriend who couldn't stand up for her like on her own went flying forwards down the stairs. I was a couple of stairs ahead of them, and I'd seen this. I was kind of keeping an eye on them. And I dove to catch her. And I did catch her, but in doing so, my right sleeve got caught in the railing. And as I fell forward with her, holding onto her with my left arm, it ripped my right shoulder open, tore my rotator cuff and my labrum. She didn't even recall any of this happening because she was blackout drunk. She had no idea what she'd done. She didn't believe that she had done something so stupid that was so bad until I had an MRI, and then she was pretty ashamed. That was her pattern, not believing her bad behavior that she had done when she was blacked out until seeing it and then feeling shame. The, the best one was when she got thrown in jail for a DUI and claimed that all of this terrible stuff had happened to her from the cops, and she had made the whole thing up, and they had, they had video and the video was pretty terrible. She was attacking cops and falling flat on her face. And they pulled this shit up in court because she had been so adamant about making up this dumbass story. And then because of that, she got punished pretty relatively severely for what otherwise a, a little pretty white girl would normally get for her first DUI. And then she had to get alcohol tested every week for a very long time. And the story goes on and on and on. But I digress. But my arm was all fucked up right when, as a chiropractic student, I was supposed to be learning how to adjust. I was supposed to be doing the part that you do with your hands and arms. So that was potentially going to set me back six months. And luckily, I found ways to minimize those issues, and, and it, it only set me back a, a minimal amount, just about a month. But all, all that overgoing and doing something I had a bad feeling about. There's nothing wrong with New Year's, but it just seemed like I had some really bad luck with New Year's at that point. A few years later, I moved to Chicago, and I was living with my sister. It was the first time that we had really gotten to know each other. We'd lived apart for years and years. I'd even moved to Virginia when she lived in Baltimore as a kid. And it turned out that I really liked my sister. And she thought I was all right, too. And our friends would frequently intermingle. For a couple of New Year's, New Year's looked in many ways like any Saturday night. We would hang out at somebody's house and then we would walk over to a bar that we would walk over to frequently on a weekend and we'd all pretty much have a nice time. It was a good experience. 
I hoped my bad luck had gone away. More years later, my sister and I both moved to California. I move out to the mountains, into the 209. And she lived in Oakland. I came to visit her hoping for a New Year's Eve that was similar to the ones we'd had in Chicago. We went over to a friend of hers house and I had gotten to know a few of her friends from regular visits to Oakland. I thought they were very nice. It was definitely nice to have some familiar faces in my new state. One of my sister's friends had planned a nice house party with great food. It was a potluck. They had a good stereo. They had a great view of the city. Everything was cool. Around 11, there started to be talk of, should we go out? Should we go to a bar down the street for, for, the, for midnight? And by 11.30, people had gotten geared up to go. We headed to a bar that they said they went to all the time right down the street from them. About a dozen of us went. I didn't think too much of it because that's pretty much exactly what we'd done in Chicago. And like I'd said, I didn't have the greatest nights of my life, but nothing would go seriously wrong. I'd have a nice night celebrating with friends. It was pretty cold that night and everybody had coats on. And as we walked over to the bar, my sister's friend said that they had a cool area in the back that we could just walk straight through the bar and go to. It was outside, but it was in kind of a cool, sheltered, decorated area. When we got to the bar, it was completely packed. Everybody was shoulder to shoulder. It was kind of hard to move around. I was at the back of the line, and everybody was getting ID'd and checked as they came in. You had to get a stamp. People were charging a cover, but we were able to get in because, for free because they knew the bouncer. And once I got in and looked around, I didn't see everybody. Everybody was broken up, but I saw my sister over at the bar to the left getting a drink. A large black man was talking to her. And I could tell by her body language that she was just being nice. However, she had a, uh, a boyfriend that was out of town. And I knew she liked and wasn't interested in talking to too many guys that she didn't know. As any good brother should, I just kept my eye on her as I slowly let the crowd push me towards what I could see was the back of the bar. I assumed that that was where the outdoor area would be. As my sister waited for her drinks and continued to talk to this guy, during one of my glances towards her, somehow he and I met eyes. He had turned his head towards looking at the front door, or the entrance to the bar, and there I was looking, looking right at him. It was only a moment's glance, but I did notice it. And as I started to get past his field of view, my sister received her drinks and started walking off towards the back. So I had the right idea about where I should go. As I turned my body and started pushing up against the crowd just a little bit more to go that way quicker, to catch up to her, I turned right into the large black man who had been talking to my sister. His left hand landed on my left shoulder and I felt the, the point of a knife poke into my stomach, into my coat, just barely touching up against my stomach. I stopped immediately. I didn't walk towards it at all. As calmly as I possibly could, I grabbed his forearm of the hand that was holding the knife. I was able to pinch his leather sleeve a little bit, and I laid my left hand down 
on top of his hand. I was able to get the butt of my hand in front of his knuckles. And I knew at that angle, as long as I moved the right way, that he wouldn't be able to actually thrust his knife on me, that I could collapse his hand. And he'd probably even let go of the knife, but he wouldn't be able to move his hand forwards. I had been lucky enough that this is maybe you learn fake shit or something in karate, but I had been lucky enough to learn some like close range combatives with, with knives and guns from Navy SEALs and do a little bit of training with them. So it was kind of a basic position. And I hoped that if I did it calmly and matter of factly enough, that he actually wouldn't react. The way I saw it, had he actually wanted to stab me for whatever random reason, he would have just stabbed me. He wouldn't have put his hand on my shoulder and, and held his ground. And so as long as whatever this interaction was going to be, I stayed friendly. He might let me have this position if he wasn't aware that I actually now had a, a position to take his weapon, stop him, or attack him. He said into my ear, what's your fucking problem? And I said, hey man, I don't have a problem. I'm just celebrating with my friends on New Year's Eve. He said, then what the fuck was you looking at then? I said, I was looking at my sister, the girl you were talking to. He said, that ain't your sister. I said, that is my sister. That's my little sister. I'm walking over to her now. And I, I took my hand uh, since he hadn't made any actual move to resist my little grips that I had on his knife hand, which he was still holding right there. People were just packed so close together, no one could see, I suppose. And I reached up and I pointed, basically bringing my arm into his armpit, but then nodding with my head. I pointed, she's going right out there. We're meeting her outside. I'm meeting her outside. He made no apology. Instead, what he said to me is, you don't like your sister talking to the vendors, do you? I said, I'm fine with my sister talking to whoever she wants. He'd asked me kind of an impossible question <laughs> for obvious reasons, but what am I going to say? Oh, listen, man, I love rap music. He wanted me to not want my sister talking to him. He responded, I think you don't like your sister talking to him. I collapsed his hand and knocked the knife on the ground and I grabbed his arm in what you'd think of as like an underhook position, the one that was on his sleeve, and I started pulling his arm down so he actually couldn't really move. And I said, you got to stop, man. And at that point, an uh, uh, even bigger black guy showed up and put his hands on the guy. He must have seen what was going on. I said, what are you doing, man? Calm down. He says, this motherfucker's got a problem with that word again in our city. I said, man, he's just confused. He was talking to my sister. I didn't say anything to him. I don't know what's going on. The biggest guy was like, come on, man, we're leaving. I let go of the guy's arm and he pulled him. And then other than watching their two heads that were taller than most people, they disappeared into the crowd towards the front door. I bent down really quickly and grabbed the knife, put it in my pocket, walked outside to the back. Most of the people I was with were drunk and they were so naive about the fact that going down to that place meant somebody might get stabbed that they wouldn't even believe me if I'd told them what had happened. They wouldn't 
they wouldn't be able to picture it. They wouldn't be able to fathom it. And I didn't want my sister to get upset or shaken about what had happened. When we got out there, I did tell her that that guy that had been talking to her had thought that I was mean mugging him, but I didn't tell her about the whole, the whole altercation. I didn't want to freak anybody out. It just goes to show that mistakes happen. And when you got a lot of people getting out of control, things can easily go wrong. It doesn't mean you should not take chances in life. But you should, you should be safe. Happy New Year's and try not to get too out of control.